You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. I actually was preparing to talk to you guys about how I have nothing to tell you guys, and I was three minutes late because I just got told of the news. So, obviously pumped up about it and try to hit him up after this and figure it out, but I know he's trying to get here as fast as possible. Um, it was a hell of a bonus to just get told that coming in here, so we're obviously real excited about it. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. And as we kick off hour number two of the show, you hear Kyle Shanahan right there talking about the deal that was struck with Nick Bosa, uh, the guy that was waiting to get that big bag. Obviously, the, the defensive player of the year, the reigning defensive player of the year, five years, $170 million extension, $122.5 million is guaranteed. And I'm sure he's happy to have him back in the mix, whether he plays this week or not. They're going to have him for the long haul, which is all they really want. And joining us now on the phone lines for Pro Football Talk is our good friend Shereen Williams, the Hall of Famer. Shereen, what are your thoughts on Nick Bosa signing the massive contract that, or at least right now, makes him the highest paid defensive player in history? He got paid, didn't he? Man, that yeah. holdout, uh, <laughs> that hold, holdout netted him uh, a lot of money. Uh, they needed him, and you expected this to get done before the season opener. I'm sure they wanted to get it done before Wednesday of the season opener, but the fact is they have it done. We know he keeps himself in great shape, has great workouts. He's not going to be in football shape. Maybe he's on a pitch count on Sunday. They'll have to determine that after seeing him the next couple of days in practice. But he is going to play for them on Sunday, so that's a really huge thing for the 49ers. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a defensive player of the year last year so you want him on the field for you that makes their defense so much better um it's the same thing with the chiefs if they don't have chris jones that defense isn't going to be as good the 49ers will have nick bosa and that defense will be just should be just as good as it was last year maybe even better with kinlaw coming back you know, I want to ask you one more question about the 49ers, and that has to do with the quarterback position. We know what happened with Trey Lance. They shipped him off to Dallas. He's there now. They only got a fourth-round pick in return for him. But they have Brock Purdy coming off an injury. Are they gambling just a little bit, Shereen, with the, the chances that Purdy's going to be 100% healthy and be back to what he was last year now that they don't have Trey Lance? Well, I thought he looked really good in the preseason, and they thought he looked really good in the preseason. So they felt good about the quarterback situation. Uh, we're going to find out, and and that's the key thing for any of these teams. You know, I just did this poll. They were did a conducted a poll on who whose team is in the best shape if they lose their starting quarterback to continue on. And you just look at most of these teams. You're like, they have no ch- if their starting quarterback gets hurt, they have no chance. Now the Forty ers you know, obviously survived it twice last year. They lost two starting quarterbacks and Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, and who knew that Brock Purdy was the best quarterback on their roster, and they got lucky in that. But you just look at these teams, and most of them, if they lose their starting quarterback, they're not going to be very good. So that's where most of these teams are right now, and just hoping that their quarterback doesn't get hurt during the season. Uh, The Chiefs have been fairly lucky in that or have gotten Patrick Mahomes to play through some things that perhaps other quarterbacks couldn't play through. I mean, we saw that last year in the postseason, but that's a key thing for any team is to keep your starting quarterback upright for the entire year. So with that being said, when it comes to uh, Trey Lance and he's now in Dallas, how do you think that he is either developed or, or what do you think that they use him for as he's the third stringer right now? Yeah. Well, the key thing 
for the Cowboys is they don't know what their quarterback situation is beyond next season. Now, they can say all they want, hey, Dak Prescott's our quarterback of the future. We're going to get him signed. But the fact is it took him two years last time to get him signed. If you just look at straight facts, he has almost a $59 million cap hit next season. Okay, that's going to eat up your cap. And, by the way, you have to make Micah Parsons the highest-paid defensive player in football Mm -hmm. next year, or or he's going to be in the same situation that Nick Bosa and Chris Jones are in. He's going to be holding out next year. So, you know, you've got all those things to take care of. And then, by the way, Dak Prescott was smart enough to put in a no-tag clause um, and has a no-trade clause in his contract. So – they're just sitting here looking at the future going, okay, are we going to be able to sign Dak Prescott? And if we aren't, what are we going to do? Cooper Rush isn't the future of that team. And they know after Troy Aikman how long it took them to find Tony hmm. Romo. They got really fortunate to find uh, Dak Prescott after Tony Romo got hurt. It's kind of the same thing as Purdy as the 49ers. But, you know, they, I think they look at all those things, and it also gives them a little bit of leverage to Dak saying, hey, we got some in our roster who we feel like can replace you if you want to play hardball and say, you know, I'm not signing this deal. I'm going to wait and, and not, you know, sign with you. I'm going to hit free agency in 2025. I think mean, Kelly can say, all right, we feel good about Trey Lance. So they're going to look at him and know where they are with him. Now, he becomes a free agent after 2024 as well, but it's not going to cost you that much money at that point, probably to re-sign him to a long-term deal or do something like Jordan Love did. So what are your thoughts on just the Cowboys in general? Coach McCarthy takes over as the play caller. Kellen Moore is now in L.A. with the Chargers. And Dak has a year where he really needs to prove it and and win some games and potentially win the the division. What do you think the Cowboys do this year? Well, you know, I'm a little concerned for them for their first two games because the facts are they employed our starters in the preseason and they also didn't have any joint practices with other teams, and I think that's a huge mistake on their part. The Cowboys last won their season opener in 2019. It's no coincidence that that's also the last time they played their starters in the preseason. I just think your starters have to get some of those things that you need when you play a real football game. You need to get hit. You need to learn to hold on to the ball and all those things. I just think game situations are much different. So, it, 2019 also was the last time they played Giants in, in their season opener, and, and Dak Prescott owns the Giants, so maybe those two things offset. But if they go in and they lose the Giants, then they have the Jets and, and Aaron Rodgers coming here in week two, and you can't start 0-2 and expect to make up all that ground on whatever the Eagles are going to do in their first game, but you're chasing the Eagles as it is right now. I know they're 0-0, I get all that, but Eagles are the best team on paper right now. So you start out the season chasing the Eagles, and you certainly don't want to fall two games behind the Eagles based on what the Eagles do in those first two games. So to me, the Cowboys, these first two games are really crucial, and it's going to show kind of where they are. Uh, But you're right. You make a good point. This is really a key year for Dak Prescott. He hasn't taken them where the Cowboys want to go, and they haven't been there since 1995, last time they played an NFC Championship game and a Super Bowl. So they have a good team on paper. We'll see what they can do if it translates onto the field. Shereen Williams, the Hall of Famer, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. The season gets kicked off on Thursday. We're on the eve of it right now, Kansas City and the Lions. Uh, where are you with the Lions and, and head coach Dan Campbell? Are you one of those that are buying into the hype? I do buy into the hype simply because of the division they're in. I think, again, on paper, and we know that means nothing, but on paper they have the best team in that division 
Their offense is fantastic. They have to have improved on defense, and I think they have under Aaron Glenn, and if they've improved on defense, then I think they're going to win that division. Do I think they're going to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to go that far at this point. But, right. again, we're going to know right off the bat like how good, how talented this Lions team is, and they're really catching the Chiefs at the right time because they could be without Travis Kelsey, who's now hurt, and be without Chris Jones, who's in the contract holdout, and probably mm-hmm. will be without those two players. So they're going to have a far easier time. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but easier than it would have been if you had Travis Kelsey um, and Chris Jones there on the field for the Chiefs. What is it about Dan Campbell that makes those players just want to play as hard as they do and give them everything that they've got? Yeah, I go back so far with Dan. You know, saw him play in high school and then uh, covered him at Texas A&M. And and, uh, I'm an Aggie, so followed him there. And then obviously when he came to Dallas, you know, got to know him here, and, and uh, you know, he's just, he's a personality, and, I, you know, I think he saw it with Dion in some of those clips that we saw pre-game and post-game, and that's a lot like Dan. That's exactly the kind of coach Dan is, is what Dion is, and uh, I think his players just love that. They stand up, and they perform for him, and they want to play well for him, and, and he, there's no question he's a player's coach. He's been like that. Uh, ever since he's been in, in a coach in the NFL, you know he's an interim coach with the Dolphins there for a few games. So he's just an outstanding coach who the players love and they love playing for him. And he's just got a great personality, a big personality, um, and I think the players just gravitate to that. Uh, well, you mentioned Dion, so I got to ask: after Colorado got the victory over TCU, that was uh, a great way to start off the college football season. I asked your tag team partner, your buddy John McClain, yesterday what he thinks about Dion and could he potentially end up being a head coach in the NFL. What are your thoughts on that? Well, he says he doesn't want to do it, so you know I don't think um, Dion's one of those people who he's not going to say one thing. I'm not going to Alabama, and then he's going to go to Alabama. Right. You know, I, I think Dion says exactly uh, what he means. And would there be a possibility he would change his mind at some point? Sure. But I think the money is good enough in college football and all those things, you know, now and and players are getting paid and he's able to recruit and, you know, he's got this name recognition and coaches, if you look at that coaching staff, it's amazing. That's a well-coached team. People aren't talking enough about that, I don't think. They're talking a lot about the players. Well, let's talk about the coaches on that coaching staff. There's a ton of NFL coaches, big-name NFL coaches on that staff who, who have coached that team up uh, to where they're not making the penalties and turnovers and doing things that lose football games. That was a team that was ready to play, uh, and you saw the talent on that team. He's certainly not going to go to the NFL as long as his sons are playing the, in, in college football. He's going to stay I'm not even going to go as far as say stay where he is because there may be somebody <laughs> after this season that comes in and offers him even more college program. He could end up at some other college program. But I do think he stays in the college ranks forever, and, and especially while his sons are still playing college football. You know, I always felt like just kind of listening to him and, and kind of knowing recruiting the way I do, I feel like his style and, and the message that he he has would do a lot better in college than it would be in the NFL, the pros, with actual adults that are getting paychecks as well. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that, about, you know, just the difference between the NFL, um, an NFL room that you're trying to command and a college room that you're trying to command. And it is different. You're exactly right. It's 
grown men versus, you know, young men that you're trying to shape um, not only their football careers but their life path. Uh, and he does a great job at that. And I, because of that, I think he needs to stay in college because I think he's helping those kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same deal as Dan Campbell in the NFL. They want to follow him. They want to play hard for him. They want to do right by him. And I think he recruits, we've seen so far, recruits good people as well as good players. And I think that's important, and he helps shape their lives. Because most of those kids are never going to play in the NFL. But I think with, with what he's done – um, with the kids that he's had at Jackson State, we've seen some of those kids go on. And, um, you know, the same thing he's doing at Colorado now. And he has better talent at Colorado, but he's doing the same things as far as giving them, teach them about life. And I think that's really important that sometimes um, kind of flies under the radar, yeah. uh, frankly, because everybody's talking about, you know, the big-name players and going to the NFL and they're going to be first-round draft picks. Most of those guys aren't going to be first-round draft picks. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's the 1% of the 1%ers that make it to the NFL, yeah. as you very well know. Again, Shereen Williams is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you. Sean Payton, he's now the head coach in Denver. The Raiders will travel to Denver on Sunday to take take them on. How quickly do you think Sean Payton can get that Broncos team turned around? Well, I just look at that roster, and I'm like, where, where's the time? I just don't see it. Coaching can only do so much. I mean, Going back to Dion, if he didn't have those players, you know they might have given TCU a, a you know a good run for it. But I don't know that they could have won unless they had uh, some of those players that that they had out there on the field Saturday. And I think it's the same thing with the Broncos. And when I look at that roster, I'm just like, where's the talent on this team? I just don't see it. So I think they're going to struggle this season a little bit. I think they'll be better than what they were last season. Uh, and the key thing probably is to get. Uh, Russell Wilson turned in the right direction. And, you know, if they can do that and then, then take a step this year, then, you know, maybe next year is their year. But I, I just I don't see it. I just don't see enough talent on that roster to contend with the other teams in the AFC that they have to contend with. And they well might finish last, probably should finish last in that division. I'm so glad that you said it, not because you're you know, saying that you don't see the talent on the Denver Broncos, but I don't see the talent on the Denver Broncos right now. So I've been saying that for a while, that I think that at least on paper, the Raiders are the more talented team right now. I think Sean Payton's going to help them get better in Denver, but I just don't see it being an immediate turnaround. But it seems like, Shireen, the most of the national media is really high on the Broncos and think that they have a chance to make the playoffs this year. Have you seen a lot of that? Yeah, I have, and I, I just I, I don't see it. I mean, the AFC is so stacked. I mean, you start looking at it, not everybody's going to make the playoffs. I mean, right. there's going to be a ton of really good teams that are out and probably some crappy teams in the NFC that make it. Uh, and, and teams in the AFC, they're much better than some of those teams in the NFC that, that, that make the playoffs, but that's where we are right now. The AFC is completely dominant. Um, and I just look around. When I started doing my picks of who's going to make the playoffs, I didn't really honestly know who to leave out. I mean, do you leave out the Ravens? Do you leave out the Steelers? Do you leave out the Chargers? Do you leave out the Ravens? Who do you leave out among all those teams that, that we're talking about? I think the AFC South is pretty cut and dried to me anyway. That it, it, you know, There's one team there, and the other three are kind of, yeah, you know, I, I just don't, don't see it in that division. But the other three divisions, I mean, they're stacked. And, and tons of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs. 
Right. No, there's no doubt. The AFC and the NFC do not look anything like each other. That is for sure. Well, we'll close out with this, Shireen. I mean, look, you're a Hall of Famer. You've been covering the game for a very long time. How excited do you get on the eve of a new season? (laughs) Oh, it's fun. You know, it's it's exciting, and I can't wait to see that game tomorrow night. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, Sunday with all the games we have and and the Monday night game, we're going to get to see Aaron Rodgers for the first time and Real action against the Bills, who, by the way, everybody's leaving out of the playoffs and counting out, yeah. and, and yep. we're going to get a chance to see exactly where both of those teams are. So, um, I, you know, I can't pick any really one game that I'm most excited about, but I think it's probably the Thursday night and, and the Monday night games that, that are going to give us a pretty good sign of, A, the Lions and, and kind of where they are, and then the Bills and Jets kind of where, where they are in that, uh, in that AFC East early on. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm just happy that football's back. It gets underway tomorrow. Yeah. We've made it through the offseason. We've made it through training camp and preseason, and we got a full 18 weeks and then some uh, to enjoy NFL action. Well, Shereen, thanks so much for helping us break it in, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There she goes. Shereen Williams, the great Shereen Williams, the Hall of Famer, the HOFer. It's what we do around here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We bring in Hall of Famers, and we definitely appreciate Shereen Williams for Pro Football Talk joining us this afternoon. 317 is the time. Our guy Vinny Bonsignor from the Morning Tailgate on Radio Nation Radio 920, he sent over a couple locker room interviews, and I'm glad that we went over them before we actually put them on the air. Something I learned many, many years ago is, you know what, don't just go ahead and throw something on the air because you got it, because you never know what's going to happen or what's going to be said maybe by the player or in the background in the locker room. So here's Vinny and Tyree Wilson just a little while ago in the, the Raiders locker room. Tyree, uh, ahead of your first NFL game, um, what, what are your thoughts on like, Just how excited are you? I mean, I'm just coming every day to, to get better and you know, go out there and put the best on film with my brothers and get the great start to the season. There might be a possibility that Chadwick doesn't go uh, on, on Sunday. It's up in the air. Do you feel like you're ready to uh, to accept that role if, if need be? I mean, sh- I prepare every day like everybody else. It's next man up mentality. You know, I got to, no matter what, I got to put the best out there for my brother so we get to, you know, get, get the best defense out there at the end of the day. How are you feeling physically? I feel great. Is that fine line between being in good physical shape and being in good football shape? Where are you right now? I say, I say I'm great at both. You know, we... <laughs> We, we work hard and we condition every day, so we got to be the best of both. What have you learned about the characteristics that will make this a good defense? What, is that, what has to happen for this defense? Smart, dependable, and you got to be accountable, and you know, you got to be, be ready to go uh, no matter how many plays, and you got to be able to next, next man up mentality when, when the offense has a, a sudden change. After playing in that first game, you said it felt good just to get out there and kind of knock some rust on. But after watching the tape of that, what did you learn more about yourself and what you could learn from that first exhibition? Uh, I say I say it's a lot of a lot of things to clean up, uh, but it was it was good to get out there and finally finally get back to playing football. There's rookie. Uh, Tyree Wilson, number seven overall pick out of Texas Tech with uh, Vinny Bonsignor. You heard Ed Graney there and Paul Gutierrez as well uh, speaking with the rookie. And, again, I love locker room sound, but sometimes not only do you have to worry about what the player says, but you also have to worry about the side conversations going on in the background. So I had to make sure we went over that a few times. Many thanks to Vinny for sending that over. We also have some sound from Nate Hobbs we'll get to a little bit later on in the show. We've got Vic Tafer. He'll give us his thoughts on what he heard in the locker room, what he heard from head coach Josh McDaniels, what he heard from Devontae 
Devontae Adams and Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll have that coming up at 3.30. But right now, how about we go out to the phone lines and look for call number 9 at 702-365-9200. we got a pair of tickets to the Aces and the Phoenix Mercury. It comes up this Sunday at noon. You want to be there. It's a fan appreciation game. You're definitely going to want to be there. You can buy your tickets, but... Why do that when we're going to hook you up with a pair right now? Again, call number nine is what we're looking for at 702-365-9200. You want to see the Aces and Phoenix Mercury on Sunday. This is Rare Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread. Loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. The entire training camp, we've had competition at every spot. I feel like we have some depth, you know, on defense where we're going to be able to play multiple people in there. They've really acclimated well to one another. I think we have a plan that we're uh, working on that we're, we feel comfortable with. Our guys, I know, feel good about what we're going to try to do here. You know, and like I said, there's probably going to be some adjustments we're going to need to make. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Hey, Coach Josh McDaniels right there. I talked a little earlier today to the media. We've got plenty of sound bites to hear from him. Uh, we had a couple of them earlier today in the show. We'll definitely get back to some more of that as well. We'll also get to some uh, Nate Hobbs sound that Vinny sent over from the Raiders locker room a little earlier today. I love the fact when folks come together and really help out. Like, I can't be at the facility, uh, one, because, well, practice, and this is what's going to happen throughout the course of the season. Uh, practice and open locker room is around the time that this show starts from at 2 o'clock. So obviously I can't be there and be on the radio at the same time. As much as I'd love to do that, <laughs> I really can't. But Vinny does a fantastic job of getting in the locker room and getting us a couple players. Just We don't have to have 8, 10, 12-minute interviews with them, but just get a couple minutes of their thoughts fresh out of practice. Really great stuff. So Vinny does great. He does that uh, after games. He did that throughout the course of the preseason uh, when I wasn't able to be in the locker room either. Uh, and when the Raiders are at home, I'll be in the locker room each and every every game, right right after the game, and get plenty of great sound, and we'll bring it to the show. And so we are your one-stop shop. We're able to bring you and provide you all the sounds, as much as we could prov- provide, as much uh, sound as you can hear, as much uh, intel as we could bring to the table. We'll definitely do it. Uh, this is what we love to do here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big shout-out to my man. And Sean, he got hooked up with a pair of tickets to go see the Aces on Sunday against the Mercury. They only got two games left. They're both against the Mercury, and they need to win them both. <laughs> it's really that simple. I mean, they, they could win one and then have the Liberty win the other or lose the other one, but why even take that chance, right? You have you have what you need in your hands. You're in, in full control. Just win, baby, right? You just go out there and win those games. You're the number one seed, and you have a really good opportunity in the playoffs. And I do think that they have a great chance to win the championship, but I'll tell you what, the Liberty are not going to go away very easy, that's for sure. We got Vic Tafer coming up from the Athletic in a few minutes, uh, letting us know his thoughts on what uh, what was going on with the Raiders. What he heard from head coach Josh McDaniels earlier today. Just when Wendy hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text line, she said, "Hey Q, sending Chandler good vibes and positive energy. Only thing I had to say is that you have to be wearing blinders if you think only the Raiders have issues a week or two before the first game. Stop the victim stuff." Dealing with 53 high-energy players, coaches, etc. I'm flying out to Mile High, Elway country. Look for me being obnoxious and yelling, Raiders, when Max gets his second sack. Let's go. That's from Just Win Wendy. Definitely appreciate that, Wendy. Be safe when you travel out there. And that's the thing about it. I know that we focus in on the Raiders, but there's things going on with all these organizations. I mean, you're dealing with 
with, like Wendy said, you know, 53 high-energy players. You're dealing with coaches. You're dealing with all these personalities. And, oh, by the way, all these guys have a lot of bread. Even the guy on the low end of the totem pole has a lot of dinero. So a lot of times when you have a lot of dinero, and I wouldn't know this because I don't, but when you have a lot of dinero, you, uh, you, you, it's really hard to tell you something at times, right? There, you could be that person where you're like, eh, you can't really tell me something. Hey, what we've seen is a lot of players that are on the high end make more than the coaches do. So a lot of times they're very difficult to deal with. So whenever there's some kind of situation going on within the organization, I, I, I don't think it's ever healthy to just start pointing the finger like we know. Like we're right there in the middle of it and, and we know exactly what's going on because we don't. Nobody right now to this moment knows exactly what's going on with Chandler Jones, but I think everyone in this moment knows that it wasn't good. I think that's what everyone's very confident in saying. That's what I'm confident in saying. But besides that, don't know anything else. Uh, Glenn in San Jose, hit us up on the dopeybroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. What up, Q? The storyline for me is can the defense create turnovers? We know Max could get into the backfield, but who else could create havoc and maybe force a fumble or make Russ throw multiple interceptions or even a pick six? The time for the defense to step up is now. Glenn, man, Glenn, if we were in church, we'd say, all God's children say Amen. I, man, if I don't agree with you right there on that, I agree with you a hundred times over, brother. I would love to see, and it is time for the Raiders defense to step up and say, we are not the Achilles heel of this team. We are not going to be the reason that this team loses the game. If, if this team loses, it ain't going to be because of us. That's man. Remember that game show back in the day? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. Remember that? Like, I never wanted anyone to ever look at me and say, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Like, I would take that personal. <laughs> like MJ in the last dance, and I took that personal. Right? The defense should take that personal. When people look at the Raiders and say, well, their biggest weakness is their defense, they should take that personal. And it would be great if at some point they stepped up and were making enough plays where they weren't that weak link. So a uh, really good, really good text, Glenn. I definitely appreciate you and keep that feedback coming at 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone line from The Athletic is our good friend Vic Tafer. And Vic, thanks so much for your time. We knew that when Josh McDaniels spoke to the media earlier today that the first few questions were all going to be about Chandler Jones, and we knew we weren't going to get any real clarity. But what did you take away from what Coach McDaniels had to say? Yeah, I thought we got a little bit of information. I think it's pretty clear to me that he's not playing this week. I think it's also kind of clear that there's obviously something going on here, maybe a sensitive issue, maybe not, not football-related. So, But, yeah, he's not going to say much. Obviously, I think it's, um, it's a lot going on behind the scenes. So, But um, I probably got some information. Do you think that this situation, because he is so beloved in that locker room, as we heard a lot last year, do you think that this has you know any kind of trickle-down effect to the locker room? You were in it today. Yeah, I talked to Max Crosby a little bit, and, they, and Devontae Adams, they really want to talk about it. And I think it's clear focuses, you know, we're going to focus on the guys here now and on this game on Sunday. And that's part of the way Chandler we wanted also if Chandler was there. I mean, if Chandler was dealing with some similar kind of issue in terms of uh, the video last year. So I think the focus is clearly on, you know, we worked hard this training camp in the preseason. We've got some things we want to get done. So let's just focus on that and ideally whatever happens with Chandler will work itself out. You know, I don't want to speculate, and I know you don't either, but do you have – any idea, do you think that this had anything to do with why we didn't see Chandler out there practicing for so long following those practices, those 49er joint practices? Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I don't want to, again, like you said, I don't want to jump to conclusions. I'm like, you hear it be evolving, a lot of phone calls and stuff. People are talking. It's all kind of, you know, just background stuff. But I do think this was um, this was kind of festering. I think definitely, um, I don't think his issues, um, 
obviously it's clearly angry in, in the postseason period, but I think it was building. I, I don't think uh, I'm not sure exactly what the injury was. Never they ever told us, but my feeling is that was definitely part of the reason why he wasn't uh, on the field the last couple of weeks. Vic Taver from the Athletic is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So, assuming that Chandler is not a go on Sunday, which I don't think he will be, uh, who do you think steps up? Is this a Tyree Wilson situation? Is this a Malcolm Coon situation? Who do you think fills that void? Ideally, both. I think there's. Uh, I think Wilson's still kind of on a pitch count. I think they've kind of had a, you know, schedule for him all along since he came back from the foot injury. So, I think he's slowly working his way up. So. They won't totally throw him to the wolves this weekend. Ideally, you know, they've seen some improvement from Nakakus this preseason. They mentioned he's been a little more physical than in, in the past, which is a good thing. And he's gotten some sacks in preseason. Uh, he's been very visible out there. So you hope that kind of can continue and carry on what he was doing in preseason in, in his first game. You know, you mentioned talking to Max Crosby in the locker room just a little while ago. What was the vibe and the kind of energy you got from Max? Obviously, you could definitely tell. Um, a little stressed. I think he's, he's trying to. He's definitely the leader of this team, and he has to be the face of the, of the, of the locker room right now. But you can definitely tell. Obviously, it's, I mean, he and Chandler they talked about last year how close they were. So definitely, it's kind of a strain on him what's going on. So yeah, I have to respect that. Again, we're talking with Vic Tafer here on Radio Nation Radio 921. to ask you about the rookie, Jacorian Bennett, number zero. He's going to be out there on Sunday. Um, do you think he's going to get uh, the full repetition of snaps? I know he was kind of banged up a little bit, but he wasn't on the injury report at all today. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be out there. I, I'm still not certain if he's going to be the clear-cut starter. If we'll see him kind of mixing on and off the David Long. I think the Long will be a factor. So I'm curious to see how much he plays and what his role is. So what did did you see a lot from David Long through training camp? Because I didn't. Not a lot. I think he definitely looked better at practicing in the games. And so, um, again, I think if you're a veteran guy, maybe sometimes um, you're not really concerned about making an impression in the games. I think he may be working on things, so I don't want to like speak for him. But I think he clearly knew he had a spot in his roster. So um, he's definitely a veteran guy, so there's going to be a learning curve with, with Jacorian. So I think uh, it may be a way to kind of let Jacorian learn, you know, not all at once, if you have David Long out there for, for a few points. Well, the Raiders are headed to Denver on Sunday. I know you and Tashawn and, and everyone's going to be out there covering this game. Do you have any idea what to expect from this one, especially with Sean Payton on the other side of things, getting his first head coaching spot or co- coaching opportunity with Denver? Yeah, I think both teams are kind of a mystery. I think both teams are obviously optimistic. I mean, the Raiders spot in Garoppolo, you know, hopefully the defense is better and the Broncos have this new coach who's got a lot of swagger. And uh, you have to think, you know, he can fix Russell Wilson. I think Russell definitely had some great years before last year. And obviously, Sean Payton's kind of a quarterback guru. And I think their pass rush is kind of underrated. So I think you, you can see both the good and bad arguments for both teams. So it's a, it's a huge game because I think both teams want to get off on the right foot and show that they're you know, on the right track. Do you think that Sean Payton could get this team turned around that quickly, right? I mean, this is the first game of the season uh, as opposed to the 18th uh, week of the year when the, when the Raiders close out the season against Denver. I think so. I think there's some, there's some talent there. I mean, last year, everyone was talking about the Broncos up last year so much. They, obviously, they fell flat, but there's still some talent on, on both the defense and offense. I think it's going to come down to, you know, I was, the, the Russell Wilson. The Russell Wilson can be remotely close to what he was a few years ago than back in business because we all know important the quarterback position is, but uh, if he's not, if he's the guy we saw most of last year, then clearly there have to be a longer a rebuild plan you know, for Sean Payton. Vic Tafer is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 talking about this game, this season kickoff between the Broncos and the Raiders. Jimmy G gets his first crack at it, being the starting quarterback for the Silver and Black. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on Jimmy G? What would you hear from him today? 
Yeah, he's fired up, and I, I think understandably so. He's, he's healthy, which for him is, you know, all knows a big deal. He's fully uh, past the foot problems. I think he, uh, he's got Devontae Adams, you know, the best receiver in the league. He's got Josh Jacobs, led the league in rushing last year behind him. So he's got some weapons. If the O-line gives him some time, he's got to be confident he can kind of get some points on the board with, with his bunch. What do you think Josh Jacobs does? What, what kind of split does he carry with uh, him and Zamir White? So last year, I think he averaged, I want to say, 24 touches last year. I'll give um, 17 uh, this week. So I think you'll see a little more of Jermaine White than you have in the past. But I think definitely Josh is the guy. I think he's giving the ball as much as he can because I know he wants it. Obviously, he's a, he's a great player. What have you seen from Josh, why he's able to have so much success against the Broncos? I don't know if it's a rivalry thing. I think it's more fire. He's always fired up. I just think maybe it's a matchup <laughs> thing. But uh, yeah. clearly, you, you are, there are teams you do well against more than other teams. Maybe it's like I just – once you get it going, your confidence goes up a notch. But uh, some, you always have some teams' numbers more than other teams' numbers. And that could change with the coaching. You know, it's coaching change in Denver. But so far, he's definitely kind of been up to these games and obviously played very well. Yeah, man, he has the Denver Broncos number. Him and Max Crosby, as a matter of fact. Max has had really good games against Denver as well. Of course, they have McGlinchey now at that right tackle spot. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Max, uh, see how they're able to try to slow him down, if they're able to try to slow him down. Well, we'll close out with this. And just you know that the Raiders played three out of the first four games on the road. How important is it for the Silver and Black to get off to a hot start and win this first game on Sunday? Yeah, very important. I think you got to be, I mean, ideally you're at least two and two through these first four games. It's a brutal stretch, and I think it's going to kind of shape the rest of the season, both by, just in terms of having a chance to make the playoffs, and also just the players buying in and saying, hey, we got a, we got a chance. Because there's been a lot of talk this offseason about what the goals are for trying to win this year. We do a slow rebuild. What, the, what are we doing? And I think we'll definitely know, the players will know about a better idea of where they stand after these four games. Final question for you, and I just thought about this one. How about the turnovers? We saw them happen in training camp. We saw them happen in preseason. Can they make that translate into the regular season? They better, because that's all we talked about. That's all I heard about all preseason, <laughs> all these guys, every, every coach. Like, it's a philosophy. We talk about it. We preach it. We do it in practice. God, man, that's all I hear about. So I better see at least, at least two on Sunday, or else the whole thing was a waste of our time. <laughs> All right, I love it. Well, Vic, what are you working on, man, that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, we, obviously, we're chasing this Chan Chan Jones situation, but uh, got a feature on Jimmy G. Kind of gets to come out now on, on Friday morning. Oh, nice. There it is. I like that. It's a good little tease. Well, Vic, thanks so much, man. Great coverage as always. We'll talk to you soon. Be safe when you travel to Denver. All right, bud. Take care. All right, my man, there he goes. Vic Tafer from The Athletic joining us, giving us a few little nuggets that he learned today uh, at Raiders HQ while he was uh, talking with Coach McDaniels, talking to Jimmy G, Max Crosby, and, you know, everybody uh, to a T that was asked about the Chandler Jones situation, all the players in the locker room, basically the same thing. No comment. I'm going to go out there and play for my brother. No comment. I think I hope that my brother's okay. This, that, and the other. Like, they're not going to give you anything. And uh, Vic mentioned Max Crosby just basically saying there's nothing to say. He's got He's got Chandler Jones back, and they were pretty close uh, as of last year. Speaking of the Raiders locker room, I mentioned earlier that Vinny Bonsignor sent over not only Tyree Wilson, but he sent over Nate Hobbs. And so uh, here's that conversation. Just a couple quick minutes. Nate Hobbs, Vinny Bonsignor, a couple others jump in, and they start off talking about this – Raiders defense. We know what we can do, but to, on Sunday, you got to prove it. It don't matter what we do in practice, but uh, I know for a fact uh, what we can do. How fine is that line that made between taking a chance that's smart, but then also taking a chance that's not so smart and getting burned out? Very fine. Yeah. <laughs> in my, in, in, uh, my profession, very, 
very slim, you know what I'm saying? Very slim line. So it's all about knowing where you are on the field, knowing how to attack you, knowing who's throwing the ball and knowing who's catching that ball. And, uh, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the time you put in to study. So, but very fine line, bro. Sometimes it'd be like an effort. Like, mm -hmm. I'm doing it either way. <laughs> how, how quickly can you just brush that off and move on to the next play? Um, you got to be able to, especially at the uh, professional level, because if they attack you and, you know, you get caught slipping, it's going to happen. It happens to everybody, but the best of the best, like, you know, they, they always find a way to keep competing and battle back. It's just a mindset thing, so you just got to be able to wipe that out your brain. Not easier said than done, but uh, uh, repetition. Hey, there was a situation with Chandler Jones uh, yesterday. He's not here. Um, how, you know, getting ready to start a season, how, how do you guys make sure that that doesn't become a, a distraction? No comment. No comment. That's, that's my brother. Um, I just, you know, hope he's okay. I wish the best for him. Thank you. When you put some of these newcomers on defense, what they've added, what, kind of, what are your expectations of these guys going to the season? A lot of young guys um, who, who got the potential to be great. Uh, Corian, uh, great great guy, you know what I'm saying, on and off the field, but super smart, like, super smart young guy. He don't got no ceiling, you know what I'm saying? It's, his ceiling is past his roof, you know what I'm saying? And if he could just lock in and, and, and be want to be great, you know what I'm saying? What he does, I see a bright future for that uh, that kid. And we just got a lot of special teams, guys, who, who are hungry and dogs. That's why they're on this team. They, they dogs. There you go right there, Nate Hobbs in the Raiders locker room with Vinny, Paul Gutierrez, and I couldn't pick up the other voice, but a couple other guys talking to Nate real quick in the locker room. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick and talk to our brother quick. Quick, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Chibot, what it do? Chilling. Hard to follow, my man, doom and gloom, Vic Taper, but let me run this real quick. Uh, anybody that was dependent on Chandler Jones to really be a top-level player for us was had the wrong idea about the guy anyways. He showed us what he had left last season, and we were praying that he had a little bit more this season. So him being gone or there, to me, you know, hey, I wish the brother the best, but yeah, from, a, from a player standpoint, from a football playing standpoint, I saw enough what I, of what I needed to see. We also drafted the man's replacement, so that, that also told you everything you needed to see there. It bothers me a little bit that the DB room is not necessarily set. Having Long in the conversation, Bennett in the conversation, let's just start Bennett. Forget Long. Let's just start Bennett, run this checkup, and see what he's talking about because the rest of it is like, what are we doing putting David Long in such – come on, man. Play the young guy. Let's get some reps. Get these guys going and get the room set. Everything that is going on right now is revolving around the coach, and I'm sick of it already. I'm at you later, Q Ball. Peace. <laughs> All right, there he goes, my man. Quick, appreciate the call. And look, man, I'll, I'll say, and I said it to Vic when he was talking about David Long. I didn't see anything in the games, and maybe he wasn't really, I don't know, working that hard or felt like he had anything to prove. But I feel like you always got something to prove. If you're out there on the field, I think you always have something to prove. So I, I was kind of surprised. Uh, honestly, I was surprised that David Long made the made the roster. I know he's got size. I know he's got the length. I know he could play press man coverage. He did some decent things in practice, but the games just didn't didn't tell me a whole lot. But again, you know, maybe maybe the games really didn't matter that much. Uh, I was kind of surprised where you saw Jacoria Bennett listed on the depth chart that came out yesterday. But then again, it's just a depth chart that really doesn't mean a whole lot of anything at this point because things could change quick, fast, in a hurry. So we'll see what happens on Sunday, but. As far as I'm concerned, the future at the cornerback position for the Raiders, Nate Hobbs in the slot, 
uh, Jacorian Bennett on one outside, and as of right now, Marcus Peters on the other outside. I don't think the at some point David Long is going to hold that down for a long time. I think that there's going to have to be a young dude that's going to slide in that spot eventually as well. Uh, maybe it's next year in the draft. Who knows? But uh, I just I don't see that being a long term fix. But I do see Bennett and Nate Hobbs being guys that the Raiders could rely on for some time to come. 3.43 is the time. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, wrap up hour number two of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. 348 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in Bristol, Connecticut on the campus of ESPN. I'll definitely be here up until Friday. Then I'll be at Buffalo Wild Wings back there at the South Outlets in Las Vegas. So touching down and then, boom, making a beeline right over to Buffalo Wild Wings. So if you're in and around the area, make sure you come on by. We've got plenty of prizes provided by Coors Light that we'll be giving out and definitely want to hear from you. So uh, come hang out with us on Friday, 2 to 5 p.m. with Raider Nation Radio 920. Threw out a couple questions on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r uh, talking about the storylines. What do you think the biggest storyline is going into this game on Sunday versus the Denver Broncos? And Brad and Concord said, I feel like a storyline for this year will end up being the offense or defense surpassing expectations as a whole. We know that Jacobs will, be, will do what he does. Devontae will be Devontae. Max will be Max. And Peters will probably do what he does. But the storyline, I think, will be the defense will just from the start be a brick wall. Or the offense is so unstoppable, Jimmy G surprisingly staying uninjured. Both would be nice, but I feel like the offense or defensively, collectively, finally could be a storyline for the year. So basically he's saying he doesn't know which one of them, what side of the ball is going to be, the, the, the one that really stands out and, and makes the most noise, but he feels like one of the sides has an opportunity. And just looking at it right now, I would say that the offense has the best chance to do that. I would love for it to be the opposite side, though. I would love for the conversation that we have. Like, when we come back on Monday, I would love the storyline to be talking about, man, what about that defense? I would love that to be the storyline because I think that the Raiders are going to score regardless. I really do. But And I'm not saying they're going to score 30, 35 points. Like, they're going to be, you know, some team that's just going to score every time they touch the ball. But I'm not worried about the offense. And maybe I should. Maybe it's one of those situations that, you know, when we come back on Monday, I'll be like, well, maybe the offense isn't as good as I thought it was. Or maybe they, you know, should have had a few more reps in in uh, preseason. Like, that's the thing about it. The first four games of the, the season is really, w- what, training camp, you know, preseason. And that stinks because then all of a sudden you could potentially put yourself in a little bit of a hole, especially with the Raiders, the way that their schedule is. Right? I mean, you start out with Denver, AFC West. You go to Buffalo, AFC. <laughs> you have Pittsburgh at home, AFC. Right then you go to uh, then you have uh, the the Chargers. You go down the road, AFC West. Like you're you're already starting out with so many AFC games. Like the conference could all of a sudden be you could be in a bad position if you don't start out start out pretty strong. Their, their schedule's not easy. That's the thing about it. They do not have a ski, as easy schedule at all. I do think that they could win games in that schedule. I don't look at a team like oh man that team is just so much better than them that they can't they can't compete with them. I, I think that the toughest team to compete with in the league is probably the Chiefs, and I think that the Raiders could compete with them. They just got to stop beating themselves, stop making silly mistakes, and go capitalize when they have the opportunity, something that they didn't do last year. So we'll see what happens, but I would love for the storyline for the Raiders this year to be how great the defense was. That would be awesome because it's been so long since that's actually been the storyline. We got some more text as well. Uh, 69187, keyword R&R. 
Uh, let's see. This one's from Mailman Raider Q. For me, the biggest storyline is rookie quarterback going against Wilson. Personally, I think Wilson was cooked in Seattle, so happy he's on the Broncos. But I'd like to see Jacorian get his first pick in this first game, boost his confidence, and be the start of a solid rookie season. As far as Jones Q, no. I'm ready for Q, uh, for Koontz and Tyree to step up. I believe that they will. Uh, let's see. Thank you so much for that. Jacorian is going to be interesting to watch. And, you know, Vic kind of alluded to him when we talked to him a little while ago that he doesn't know how many reps he's going to get, if he's actually going to get the start on Sunday or not. I think he should, but we'll see. Um, I'm interested to see how his career develops and how his rookie year goes, right? Because he's going to be a guy, even though Marcus Peters is a little bit older, there's going to be more guys, more targets going towards Jacorian than they will Marcus Peters just because, well, you take the, you take the big unknown, right? It's funny. It's funny, we were doing a picture day here at ESPN earlier today, so we, I walked up into the, the little picture studio, which was weird to me because, I mean, I've never had uh, to take pictures. I felt like it was, like like I said, picture day or first day of school or whatever when you're taking the, the yearbook f- photos. But I walked up in there, and Harry Douglas was there. Obviously, Harry uh, was a longtime wide receiver in the NFL. He's doing a show with uh, Freddie Coleman, so they were both in there. And then I walked up, and uh, Harry was doing, you know, the you know, they tell you to do all these different poses and all that, and they, they take probably about 100 pictures of you in a, about a 10-minute time period. So he did one where he was about to run, like he was about to run a route. So I told him, all right, Harry, I got you one play. And, man... <laughs> He said, oh, come on in here, Q. Come on in here. Come on. I, man, I'm embarrassed you. And this dude is in great shape. I mean, he is in fantastic shape. And please believe I did not at all even think about squaring up with uh, with Harry Douglas, even pretend that I was lining up as a DB. But uh, he said, man, I'll cook you like a rookie. And that's what made me think. He said, I will cook you like like that guy that comes in when a, when the starting quarterback gets, in, gets uh, injured. And all of a sudden, you have to get some guy that doesn't get any burn, get him off the bench and, and line him up. He's like, man, when, when that used to happen, he said he used to, and when he was in Atlanta, as a matter of fact, uh, his teammates used to get masked because he talked so much trash. But there was a time when he was there, and he told, uh, he told no, he was in Tennessee because he was talking about Marcus Mariota. He said that somebody came in cold off the bench to line up against him, and, man, all he did was yell, come on, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. This guy don't have a chance, and just started yelling at, at that dude. He was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to treat you like that. Well, I'm not saying Jacorian's going to be that guy, but being a rookie and the fact that it's so unknown what he's going to be able to do in the NFL, quarterbacks, wide receivers, they're all going to want to test him. They're all going to want to you know, target him early and often to see what he's got. Now, if he stands up and makes some plays early, then they might think about it a couple times, but they know what that other guy, 24 on the other side, does. They know that he turns, he, he creates turnovers, and he can take the ball the other way. Now, does that mean that they're going to not throw his way? No, not at all. They're going to target Marcus Peter, too, because there's times that he's going to get burned. But there's also times that he's going to make plays. So Jacorian's going to get a healthy dose of the ball whenever he's out there. And uh, that's, that's something to definitely pay attention to. But thanks so much for that text. I do appreciate you. Uh, 805 Raiders said, the biggest story is how Jimmy G does against Devon, uh, Denver's D. Will he be able to connect with Devontae Adams? Or will zero be uh, one-dimensional with J.J.? Or will the offense be? Okay, I got it. Will the offense be one-dimensional with, with J.J.? That's from 805 Raider. That's, I think that Josh Jacobs is going to have a lot to do with this game because he's been so successful. And we talked to Zach Stevens earlier, and he said, talking about loading up the box to slow down Josh Jacobs, I hope they do that. I absolutely hope that they try to load up the box because then somebody's open. Devontae's going to cook somebody, and if he's not cooking somebody, Jacoby Myers is going to get open. And if he's not getting open, Hunter Renfro's getting open. Like, I don't think that you can play with a loaded box and knowing the kind of wide receivers that the Raiders have. I think that plays right into the hands of the silver and black. And when Zach said that earlier to us in the first hour, I thought, I don't know if that's a good strategy. 
Like, I, I get it. You don't want Josh Jacobs to go off, but you might want to have the running back be more successful than the guy that could take it to the house of one play in Devontae like he did when he walked it off last year against Denver. I don't know if that's a good strategy. And I'm not saying that that's how the Broncos are going to do it, but when Zach Stevens said that when he joined us earlier, I thought, yeah, that's not really a good idea <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But if that's what they want to do, that's what they should do. Keep those texts coming at 69187, keyword r Let us know what you think the biggest storylines for this game will be for the Raiders as they travel to Denver for week one. Coming up next, we'll kick off hour number three of the show, Paloma Villacana. Fox 5 Sports will join the show to talk all things UNLV and the Aces. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.